is ESPN 1000, The Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. show on ESPN 1000. I am Pat Boyle with Brian Hanley. The show last came to you in August when the Blackhawks were ousted in the bubble in Edmonton by the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot has happened, to say the least, since that. A lot off the ice changes have been made within the organization, with the team. We are going to get to all of that. But Brian, hockey is back. How are you doing in your bubble? Well, you know, you couldn't even play a game of shinny uh, in August, right? You can do that true. now. That's true. Yeah. So we're ready for it's actually, you know, hockey uh, hockey weather. And a lot, Pat, a lot has happened in the offseason, particularly here in town with our Chicago Blackhawks. A lot of offseason moves in the front office. Maybe not as many with the roster as uh, Hawks fans would hope, but we'd love to find out, kind of take the temperature of uh, Blackhawks Nation and uh, see – how they're feeling. First of all, I mean, you talk about a truncated preseason. You go from like two days of conditioning to here we go. We're going to open up the season in a few days here. And it's a sprint. 56 and, uh, games over uh, just over three months or so, basically playing every other day. Yeah. They have, the NHL has got 868 games in 116 days as scheduled. And, uh, and you and I were already talking about it. There's already been a little issue with Dallas. And so their first two games of Florida are postponed, and um, the Columbus Blue Jackets have 19 players, either if, because of COVID protocols, not all are positive, but uh, they've they've told 19 players to not hit the ice for a few days. So it's going to be interesting because the bubble worked to perfection, the two bubbles during the uh, playoff tournament, but now it's teams traveling and, and playing back-to-backs in, in each city that they travel to. So, as you said, a compressed schedule, and we'll see how smoothly it goes, or if it doesn't go so smoothly, we'll see how they react. So, what are your expectations for the Blackhawks' upcoming season? You can uh, give us a call at 312-332-3776. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter, at ESPN Hockey Show. And uh, let's just start and kind of set the table, Brian, with everything that has gone on with this team over the last handful of months. Back in October... It was announced that they were going to go with the youth movement, younger players. They decided not to re-sign uh, Corey Crawford. They traded Brandon Saad away. They've added players to help this team defensively, both from the forward position and on the back end. And then just with two weeks ago, just before Christmas, Kirby Doc breaks his wrist at the World Juniors. He's done for the season. Alex Nylander, he's also out for the season after having surgery to repair the meniscus in his knee. And then just a couple days before camp, Jonathan Taves released a statement saying he's experiencing symptoms that make him feel drained and lethargic and doesn't have a timeline for his return. So already what looked like a real tall task for this team to finish in the top four of their newly constructed division to make the playoffs. Now you don't have Taves. You don't have Doc. You're turning to three unproven goalies in net, and it's 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 going to be a daunting task to make it to the postseason. 
Yeah, it was going to be daunting. Even all hands were on deck. And I was on the air with Fred Hubner uh, the morning the Jonathan Taves news broke. And we didn't have the statement from either the Blackhawks or uh, Jonathan at that point. So immediately speculation was, well, he must have COVID, right? That's everyone just defaults to that. And then later in the day, we found out, you know, you wish you knew, wish you had had some certainty. That's the scariest part for fans of Jonathan Taves and Jonathan Taves himself, obviously, is you don't know what is going on with him. And when, you know, he said he was going to be out for a couple of weeks, I thought, oh, okay, that's probably COVID protocol. But who knows what's going on with the captain? And hopefully it's they're going to figure it out sooner than later. But the Kirby Doc news, I mean, you saw too, uh, PB, that on social media, people are like, why Why was your, one of your best up-and-coming guys, why would you allow him to go play World Juniors? And other people are like, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you let him have that experience against some of the best in the world and develop that much more? So a lot of people divided on that. Well, let's it, dive into that. Absolute shame. Let, let, yeah. Let's dive into that because I can understand. Look, we all look back now and say, of course, we would not like him to be in the World Juniors in Edmonton and, and be out for the season with a broken wrist. Let's look at the pros and cons heading into the World Juniors. The pros, that he was going to start Kirby Doc in November with some of the best young players in the world, basically getting an eight-week jump on the NHL season. So you were sending one of your up-and-coming players, your second-best center, who was going to be captain of Team Canada, which is a huge honor, which Jonathan Taves has said was part of the reason why he hit the ground running in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League yeah. because he had that experience at the World Juniors. So you check the box of Doc would have gotten eight weeks of ramp-up time to a 56-game season and would be possibly, no, not possibly, would be ahead of the curve because most most players are getting eight to nine days of camp. He would have had the experience of playing on that stage. He would have had the experience of being the captain of the team. And maybe he could carry some of those leadership uh, strengths into the Blackhawks dressing room. The negatives is obvious. Injury. Right. And, and injury does not happen very often in this tournament. And, you, and Brian, you saw the play. I've looked at it. Dozens and dozens of times. It looks I still pretty benign, right? It looks yeah. completely benign. It, you wonder how the break could have been that severe with the lack of speed that he was going and just kind of a casual mid-ice collision. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I go right back to what you just said, Jonathan Taves. That's all I need to know. If he tells me how valuable that was for his experience and he arrived on the scene uh, pretty much uh, a pretty good polished product at that point. And look, we all loved what we saw of Kirby Doc in the last couple of months, in particular the season and in the tournament, right? And we all had high and, and still have high expectations for him. Interesting when you look around the different lists and prognosticators saying, okay, here's the 25 best players under 25. And, you know, NBC Sports has one, right? So, Brinkett is the only hawk on that list going into this season. Now, I would have put, you know, if he wasn't in the 25, he's certainly 25 to 30 in my world, Kirby Doc is. But I think those of us paying closer attention here in Chicago uh, are arguing that he he is among the best 25, under 25, well under 25, by the way. So when if you're a Hawks fan, Stan Bowman's telling you 
we have this good young core and it's similar to the young core that that you know evolved and helped win championships here in the city are you buying that as a hawks fan do you think there's more than one or two or three of those guys in this on this roster right now and if so who are they or do you think the now president of blackhawks is stretching that a little bit and trying to sell a product that may underwhelm people if you're looking at it with a critical eye because to brink it's certainly on the list for for most people uh, hockey experts uh, you know, it, up and down, I, I, Kirby Doc, I, I could argue, uh, is Pai Suter going to be a guy uh, as a free agent at 24, you know, high expectations or wait and see? It, it, because if you believe Stan Bowman, they're not that far removed. And that could lead us to one of our Twitter questions about, OK, here's the rebuild. They're not they're not hiding or shying from that. They come out and say we are rebuilding here with a young core and. Do you think it's a three-year rebuild, under three years, over three years, or when hell has a Zamboni? Uh, <laughs> are, you buying, are you buying the cup-contending goal of a rebuild? Is this short-term, relatively speaking, long-term, or someone's you know fantasy here? Yeah, well, I, if, if I had to answer that poll question right now, I would be leaning three years or over. Um, I would, too. I would, too. I, I, I think it's going to be tough sledding to get in the in the dance this year. Uh, we'll continue to break that, especially with these, with the Tave situation and Doc. I mean, I like we said, it was going to be daunting even with those two in the mix, and with the goaltending. You just put it all together, and it 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 leads you to feel that it's going to be really, really difficult for them to finish in the top four, especially when you take a look at the rest of that that division. Uh, we talked to Patrick Kane earlier this week. Caught up with him about uh, basically what was the mentality of this team entering the season with all this tough news about Doc and Taves in recent days? I think just a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity for players to establish themselves as uh, NHL players, for guys that have done that to establish themselves as elite players. And we have a pretty young team um, and there's a lot of opportunity here going forward. So um you know, it's an exciting time. It's exciting to, uh, um, for me personally, just kind of be myself. I've always enjoyed being around the young guys and nothing really changes in that department. So, um, you know, I can learn from them too. So it's, uh, um, you know, as far as where we're at, there's a lot of opportunity. And uh, for it to be in the first day of camp, I thought we had our group anyway, had a, had a good skate, good practice, a uh, good first day, and just try to build and get better every day. And Uh, Be prepared come the 13th. If there's one guy you don't need to worry about, it's uh, number 88, Patrick Kane, who enters Brian his 14th season (laughs) in the National Hockey League. Isn't that incredible? And he became a dad. Yeah. I mean, to watch him grow up off the ice, even as much as on the ice, is amazing. Uh, A few years ago, you could have made the argument he wasn't going to be a Blackhawk, right, at this point. Right. Certainly still playing at the top of his game and and also being uh, among the leaders of this team in every which way. And, you know, before we listen to Patrick Kane there, you you mentioned the the goaltending. When we last talked here on the air, I think you and I were in agreement that they would find a way to get Corey Crawford signed. Short term money would they would all come together and you would feel pretty good about the goaltending, given that. Corey had a pretty good season, very good season last year, right? Right. That didn't work out. And now, tell me a few days out from the opening of a 56-game compressed season, 
who uh, who the goaltender is. And I know that uh, Jeremy Colleton said, well, we're going to rotate three guys in there and they're all going to get a shot to claim the title or claim the, the top spot. I, I, does that play out for the entirety of the season that one of these guys will not emerge and, and you'll just have by committee? And, and does that do anybody any good? Well, let's get into that conversation on the other side. The thoughts on not bringing back Corey Crawford. Do you have... A feeling about that. 312-332-3776. Do you think Delia or Subban or Lankinen can emerge from that threesome and be a a 1A type goalie in the National Hockey League. That's all coming up next on the Hockey Show. Now is the time to secure season tickets for the 2021 Notre Dame football season featuring home games against Purdue and USC. Season ticket members receive many benefits, including priority access to the 2021 Shamrock Series game at Soldier Field when the Irish take on Wisconsin. Put down a deposit now at und.com slash football tickets and go Irish. Coming up next on the Hockey Show. Your calls, 312-332-3776. It's Brian Hanley and Pat Boyle on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank studios in downtown Chicago. Blackhawks kick off the 56 game season the National Hockey League on Wednesday night in Tampa against the defending Stanley Cup champions. You can see that game on NBCSM while pregame for you on NBC Sports Chicago. All right. Last year, Brian, with Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford in net. The Blackhawks spent $11 million on that position. This year, they are turning to, to be named, we don't know what what two are going to emerge, but the other one will be on the taxi squad to start. It'll be some form of Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, or Kevin Lankinen. And this year, they will spend on their netminders $11 million last year, under two million on the position this year. Wow! And and you know how vital it was to this team last year. Still, still the most important position on the ice, correct? No question. Yeah, no question. Okay. And, I, I, and I, it's, I know we've had rule changes. Yeah, yeah we've had I rule changes, but that that yeah. that one still is intact. <laughs> All right. And and even that with the when the pause happened, the Blackhawks were twelfth in the West. So even right. with two top seven goalies in the National Hockey League facing the most high-danger shots in the NHL and stopping them at, at a high rate, they still were 12th in the West, and we know how they got into the, into the bubble in Edmonton. But now you're turning to three unproven who, you know, have a total of 83 games combined of NHL experience. That is a lot to ask. So they, they they talked to Corey, made him an offer, short term, one year deal. Money than, yeah, lower money than obviously he had expected. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then t- talks kind of broke off, and they they there wasn't uh, Corey. Basically, his people said not a lot of negotiation, and at some point the Hawks just chose to go in a different direction. 
So now you don't have an established goaltender here of these three. And, and I would argue you're going to need every bit of two in a compressed 56 oh, no season. Right? No question. I mean, it's not about, oh, who's got the hot hand and we're going to just keep throwing them out there. It's just you don't have many off days here. So I know Kevin Lankinen's been uh, being coached up by Jimmy Waite, which is good. Does that give you an inkling that he's got a, a head up on this competition? I mean, Malcolm Subban, you went from not qualifying him to giving him a two-year deal. Does that signify anything? And I'm sure Delia feels like he's ready to go, and he's been biding his time. So I, I'm, I don't, I don't know if you can do it by committee, and I don't know how long they expect to do it until they come to a decision on which guy is going to be the one guy. If in fact they're going to make that decision somewhere early on in the season. Well, you know, if you go by what happened in Edmonton, Subban was the backup to Corey Crawford. So if, if you look back to August, they believed at that time Subban had the upper hand on Delia. Like this is the, you know, these are the mixed messages you get when you talk yeah. about the, the rebuild. Now, the rebuild has been, been going on for a few years now, okay? It's been going on in different ways. Last offseason, they signed guys like Ryan Carpenter and Zach Smith and, and Kelvin DeHaan, guys around 30 years of age, to plug in place, and they were looking short-term. Now, they're looking for 21, 22, 23-year-olds to step into the National Hockey League. They are trying to develop players, and so they're going that route in net. Um, it's going to be int- For this team to be successful this year, Brian, they have to be better team defense collectively they have to play a defensive minded system where the forwards are coming back where they're putting the pucks and advancing it for the next shift and protecting the Hmm. unproven goalies so to speak that they have behind them it has to it, it has to come down if this team is going to surprise people collectively they're going to have to be better at team defense no question uh, no question, and they're going to have to be better on the power play, and they're going to have to, and they're going to have to be at least as good in in, in net. And and you mentioned even with you know one of the best young play, players you traded away in Robin and uh, the stalwart and Crow, you were still middle of the pack, right, uh, in the NHL. Um, it, it's so if you're a Hawks fan at three one two three three two three seven seven six, the over under and points uh, in Vegas for your Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, averages out to about 48 points, okay, in 56 games. Um, are, you, are you buying the overstock or are you, you're, you're selling the understock? And also, just for comparison uh, uh, reasons, you look at the, the division, which is revamped because of the, the condensed COVID season here. You've got Tampa sitting there as obviously the favorite in the division, and they're over under, I believe, is about 30 points better than that. Yeah, which gives you an indication of what the the sharps in Vegas believe is the distance between the top of the division and perhaps the bottom of the division here. If you look at this division that the Hawks are in, you've got Carolina, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and the aforementioned Tampa Bay Lightning. So you've got the two teams that were in the Stanley Cup final uh, last season in your division. Now we already pointed out that COVID has affected the Dallas Stars and that their uh, season after six players tested positive, they're not going to play a game before January 19th. We're going to have this going throughout 
Uh, you said Columbus. Columbus had uh, how many players? 19. 19. 19. Wow. So not all of them testing positive, but because of contacts. And, and the, they've told 19 to basically um, uh, quarantine, whatever it is. But uh, they're trying to figure out if they're going to scrimmage tomorrow and uh, only a few days out from the season. So wouldn't be shocked if the, we'd be if we'll be getting an announcement from the league or Columbus that their schedule has been postponed for a couple of days as they sort that out. Let's go to the phone lines. Get your thoughts on this Blackhawks team. Let's start with John in Evanston. John, oh, John is gone. All right, let's uh, let's try. Put him on hold. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, the big thing. My question was: You can have the best plan of a rebuild, but you need to get buy-in from your core players, meaning Kane, Keith, Taves, and Seabrook. And, you know... Do you really you, have to, you know, I hate to be mean-spirited here, do you really have to worry about Brent Seabrook? I know he's the, the leader of the, the room. He's still there. Uh, okay. You know, uh, Kirby Doc is still living in his basement as he rehabs. They're still, the, you know, they're still together. Uh, let's try this because, again. Let, let's go. Let's try. Yeah. Let's try our, our second shot at John and Evanston. Welcome to the hockey show, John. How you doing? Hey guys, thanks for taking the call. You know, this is going to be a trying season for the fan base. You know, you got two of the more prominent kids out for the season right now. You got Kay's out sick. You don't have the leadership in the net with Crawford. Um, this team is going to have to grow together. And like I told your producer, the fan base has got to be patient. It's only a 59-game season, but this will give the fans a chance to see what the future of this team looks like right now. And, hey, you know, everybody goes through rebuilds and, and everything, and with that you've got growing pains and, and you know, not having K's there's that's a big subtraction that's your captain and and uh that's going to so be what, John I what John what are your expectations is this a relatively short rebuild under 3 years is it patience is a virtue it's going to be more than 3 years how optimistic are you that the core talent the young guys in particular are here uh, to make a foundation upon which you can build you know what i i I expect it to be, I'd like to see it be a two-year, you know, like a two-year rebuild here. And maybe, you know, like during the off-season, this coming season, get a couple of veterans in that have won the ring and have them help work with this team. And And I think that would quicken the rebuild a little bit. John, thanks for the call. But that's not the direction that Stan says that's they're going. That's not the plan. Yeah, the right? plan that's is not... to go young. They've only got Kane and Taves have three years left on their deal. So does Duncan Keith. So, you know, your, your question is, do they have a shot at winning a championship before those three cornerstones are, are done with their current contract? And, you know, you know that, that, that to me, the best case scenario would be in the, in the final year, the third year. That these next two are you're you're looking to improve, looking to find building blocks, looking to solidify the back end with guys like Ian Mitchell and seeing Adam Boquist step up. I love the addition of Nikita Zadorov. I think 
the D pairings that I have seen in training camp over the last handful of days are are complementary defensive pairings. They are that you've got a one defensive minded defenseman with an offensive minded, and they tend to play off each other well. Now, again, I'm watching this in scrimmage. Let's see how this plays out in in in, in games, but. I think they are going to be better defensively, even with the loss of Olimata this past offseason. And that said, Pat, you know, Stan, again, you know, transparent, came out, basically said, here's, here's our plan, and this is what we're doing, and it's going to take some time. And John would like it to be a two-year rebuild. I'd like it to be a two-month rebuild. But that doesn't seem realistic. And no matter what goes on here this season, and they shock the NHL world and, and become a playoff team, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the Blackhawks go out and go heavy in the free agent market in the offseason or make some wild trade to get some established star player because, one, they don't have the cap room still, right? They're still dealing with that. Uh, as you mentioned, these contracts, Seabrook, Keith, uh, even Andrew Shaw, they're all through twenty. 324. I mean, Shaw's got a couple, two more years at 3.9 million. Um, and I went through the uh, go down memory lane. I, I went through the Bob Pulford a uh, good portion of the 27 consecutive playoff seasons, right? Every year, he that was a, a, a badge of honor for Pulley to just, and for Bill Wirtz, it was a priority to be a, a playoff team every year. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to win a, a cup, they didn't, but to be good enough to get into the playoffs. And Bob Murray, who was the assistant GM to Pulley at the time, I thought was much more realistic. And Murph out in Anaheim for all these years later, um, he always told you know told us off the record that we're much closer to the bottom than we are at the top. And I think that argument still holds today. When yeah, you were gifted a, a, a tournament spot last year by the NHL because they got you in Montreal in uh, when the season was suspended. No one expected the Hawks to be participating, but Stan looked at it and basically told you the same thing. We're much closer to the bottom than the top, and we have to do this. We can't delude ourselves into thinking because we're in the tournament, we're a playoff caliber team. So Coming up, we're going to get Eddie Olchek's thoughts on where this franchise is at right now as they get ready to embark on this new season on Wednesday night. Who could be the surprise player that emerges from this team? I think we'd all agree Dominic Kubelik was that guy last year. Who could be somebody that we're talking about throughout the next three and a half months? That's next. It's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening, listening. to The Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. TP's everywhere. Free and post. His own hockey show now on ESPN 1000 with Brian Handley. Good to have Brian back on the airways back in Chicago on the radio. Oh, great. Every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. I know uh, Team President CEO John McDonough was on their maiden voyage last week. Good luck to those guys. And, uh, get some rest, BB. Oh, we got plenty of rest here. <laughs> <laughs> During the pandemic, the show now is at 10 a.m. One of those great 10 o'clock starts on ESPN 1000. Uh, let's hear from the voice of NBC, the one and only Eddie Olchek, former Blackhawk and U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer. He joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Edzo. How you doing? Hey, PB. Happy New Year, Brian. Nice to be with you, pal. Happy New Year. Hope you guys are 
well and families are safe and uh yeah i'm gonna have to update that promo uh, <laughs> i guess i'll have to do it on your show because we both got fired off a cap show so uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to punch the clock there pb and uh we'll have to change that promo for you guys but good to have you back and uh, hey we're only uh i mean knock on wood we're, I mean, we're all day to day in the big picture, but we're only five days away from dropping the puck. So pretty exciting and uh, looking forward to the start of the Blackhawks season. And uh, the plan is now is I'm going to be down in Tampa for opening night uh, on NBCSN, a nationally uh, televised game, and uh, looking forward to uh, to the game. And uh, hopefully, we can get this season without a hitch. But you know, we've already seen it already. I mean, Dallas. People haven't heard the Dallas Stars have had some issues there with uh, an outbreak and the virus and what have you. So they've shut things down there, and you know that's something to keep an eye on because you know Dallas Stars are in the the division with the Blackhawks. So uh, we'll just you know we'll go day to day and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what transpires starting Wednesday night. Edzo, so Edzo, when you go ahead, go ahead, Brian. When you look at a rebuild, and and you, you know fans have to be encouraged that the youth movement is going to work eventually. How big a challenge is it for the Blackhawks organization? Is this a couple year um, job that they have to get uh, concluded or is it something that you're really going to have to be patient and might take four years or more? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it could take a while, Um, but I think when you do take this step and and I can just speak from experience, Brian, uh, when I was coaching at Pittsburgh, uh, some 15 years ago, it's hard to believe, but you know, we were in a very, very similar situation. Now, the, the one thing I will say is that, uh, I did not have a cane or a Keith or a Taves. You know, I know Johnny's not feeling well, but you, you, you know what I'm going, I mean, we, we went sure. bare bones. Like we, you know, we pretty much said, Hey, any asset that we had, we moved out. And we were going to say, look, at we know where we were, uh, we know where we are, and where we're trying to get to. And we, you know, we divulge as much as we could to our fan base. And and me being the coach and, and our general manager Craig Patrick, that wasn't something that he wanted to do, you know, publicly. And it wasn't one of his strengths was to be able to, you know, verbalize to the fan base on on what we were trying to get accomplished. So I lived it. I mean, I was in every single type of meeting. I mean, whether it was within the organization for marketing and and, and selling tickets or obviously into the hockey ops, but it's, uh, you know, you you divulge as much as you can. And then, and then eventually it's on the coaches, it's on the evaluators, it's on the people that draft these young players. And then, you know, where, you know, where are you? Uh, you know, two years or three years or even a year after, are these players improving? Uh, you know, are, are these guys expected to be the next, uh, you know, the, the, the next top line guys, the not next set of, uh, you know, top pair defensemen, the next top goaltender. So all of those things go under the microscope. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how it all plays out. I mean, you still, like I said, you still have, you know, in, in my opinion, a top five player in the entire National Hockey League in, in Kaner on this roster. We know, you know, once uh, the Hawks traded Eric Gustafson last year, um, it seemed like Duncan Keith got more ice time and more responsibility, which is, you know, kind of, you know, hard, you know, hard to compre- comprehend, but it just seemed like, as the year went on, Dunk was playing more and more and was playing really well, and we saw how good he played in, in the bubble. So, you know, I know there's a lot there, but it, it, it's, 
you know, yeah, you have to have patience. You have to understand, uh, you know, what's what's transpiring right now. But again, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. And now look at the, the, the young players are going to get an opportunity. I mean, been out at training camp, running a PB, you know, three, four days in a row out there and just taking a look at some of these young players that, again, it's camp, it's practice. Um, you know, it's, it's unique because these guys are not going to get an opportunity to have any exhibition games to kind of just, you know, whether it's a guy like Wyatt Kalanuck from, uh, you know, the played his college hockey at, in, in Madison at Wisconsin for the Badgers for the legendary Tony Granato, or a guy like Ian Mitchell who played college hockey at Denver. I, again, I don't know where they are on the depth chart. I, I don't know, you know, where, you know, they're going to be spotted in. But, you know, watching these guys in practice and, and, and feeling, have an eye for for talent and, a, and an eye for, you know, what you can expect from these guys. I mean, I'm excited to see them get in a lineup. And, again, it's, it, it's the world that we're living in. I mean, it's, you know, it's not the ideal situation as an organization, in my opinion, to – you know, have these guys go right from where they were and then right into an NHL game, but everybody's on the same playing field and it's just the hand that's been dealt and you're going to have to figure it out. But, um, you know, I know there's a lot there, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch and look at there. They're going to, they're going to be some rough nights. I mean, you know, it, it, there's no other way to say it. I mean, there's going to be some, there's going to be some tough nights. I mean, you know, the the goaltending aspect of it, you know, you had the, the tandem of Crawford and Leonard last year were as good as a tandem there was in the NHL. Um, until Leonard got traded, um, you know, and now you've gone young and you've gone with guys that don't have a lot of experience. But hey, you know what? They're going to need some help, and, and the Hawks have talked about it and was talked about it at length last year. Is you know they they got to be way better without the puck and take some of the pressure off their goaltenders, regardless if it's you know Corey Crawford or or Malcolm Subban. Eddie Olchek joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand. Let's pick up on that. So obviously you've got unproven goaltenders that you're looking to see them emerge. This team, Edzo, if they're going to surprise some people and get some wins that you don't expect them to get, they're going to need to improve their team defense. They need to become more relentless as a group, outwork Mm -hmm. the the opposition because they're not going to outskill the opposition. With some of the moves they've made, like Nikita Zadorov and bringing guys like uh, Lucas Walmark and, and, and Carl Soderberg into the equation. Do you think that, that they have brought in some pieces, uh, you know, and Andrew Shaw coming back that, that could play a more relentless game and, and could, could outwork, uh, opponents on a given night versus outskill? Well, I mean, that, that is an identity that, that needs to be developed from within, and, and that comes from the coaches and that comes from the players. Um, you know, it, it's no different than in football, uh, the National Football League or the NBA, um, you know, baseball to a certain extent. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, if you have really good pitching and you don't, you know, you don't have any, you know, heavy hitters or whatever, you could still find a way to win games by, you know, out pitching and out defending. I, 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 like, you're, you're going to count on your, you need your big guys. Like, I mean, you're, you're going to need Kaner to be all world uh, as we've seen him, but, you know, he's going to need some help. So, you know, look at, you know, can they win game six, five? Probably not. No. Yeah. Um, but you're right, PB. I think you're certainly going in the, in the direction, um, for them to, to, to win some games and to build some confidence and, 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 and have some success. Uh, again, that, what, what's that definition? You know, only the Blackhawks can, you know, can answer that with all the moves that they've made. But you're right. I mean, a guy like Nikita Zadorov, who's, who's like, I mean, he's, 
Looks like he's about seven foot fifteen, and he's about four hundred pounds. I mean, he got a wingspan of about four hundred feet and a big body. I know he hasn't skated the last couple of days, which you know obviously isn't a good thing during training camp when you're going to be playing on Wednesday. I'm not sure if he's skating today or not, but um, you, know, you mentioned a guy like Lucas, uh, you know, uh, Walmark and, and Matthias Janmark. I thought they were going to bring in Marky Mark next PB. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to save that for Wednesday night. Well, <laughs> you know what? I figured, what the hell? I'll drop it. We'll drop it early on the uh, on the hockey show here on ESPN 1000. But um, you know, you're, you, you know, you're right. You, you, you gotta you gotta put the nose at a grindstone and just understand, you know, who you are. And, uh, and figure it out. But again, it, it does come down to, to playing without the puck and the defending aspect of it. And look at the team has talked a lot about it. I mean, last year is, you know, w- without the puck, I mean, it, it, it wasn't pretty at times in their own zone, but they do have some different guys on the back end. You got some young players coming in, and now you get a chance to, to watch and evaluate them. And uh, it'll be, uh, like I said, it'll be interesting and fun to watch. And, and the power play wasn't pretty for the most part last season, uh, Edzo. And here you go, uh, Jeremy Carlton saying that he wants to have two different looks to his two units, and and mm-hmm. with Kubalik and uh, I mean, if you start looking at at Kane and Strom and Debrinket and Shaw and Bulkfist on the, on the top end with the you know he said that's more of a movement, create mistakes, passing lanes, moving, more, and then the second unit's going to be more of a shooting unit with Duncan mm-hmm. Keith quarterbacking the likes of Kubalik and Walmark. Um, how does that work out? And it's got to work out a lot better. Last year, you were 28th in converting power play chances, and even though you were middle of the pack in the NHL and creating scoring chances, you didn't finish. Yeah, I mean, the dynamic has changed a lot here because of the the, in, the illness to, to Johnny and, 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 and Kirby Doc going down with the wrist injury, uh, you know, playing over in the, you know, I shouldn't play over, playing playing up in the in the world junior so i mean that that unit there last year that they had was was going pretty good with dunk on the back end and you had kubalik out there and you know you had those other guys along with kaner and it look at everything is going to go through patrick kane and kaner should be getting that you know minute and 20 minute and 30 of every power play and if he's got to you know sprinkle into that second unit certainly you know i mean i i would encourage that and want that um but it is it's it's, it's it is built on a couple of different looks but you know, at the end of the day, it's a 56-game schedule. And I think what's interesting, even more so, and PB, we've talked about this over the years, when you break down, in my opinion, in my experience of playing, coaching, and broadcasting now, is that when you, in an NHL normal season, you got 20 games where you're going to be lights out, where it doesn't matter. You're just going to, you're going to win because you're just going to be better than the other team. And just over the course of the regular season, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have 20 games where you're going to be awful. I mean, mm-hmm. like I played 16 years, like I felt like my legs were at baggage claim every night. That's what's going to happen. Like that, that's that's just <laughs> you're going to be awful. Like you're just not going to, you know, you're not going to be great. And you pretty good chances. The numbers will tell you, the analytic numbers will tell you is that, you know, you're going, to, you're going to lose some games just because of injury or travel or you're just fatigued. But what separates the teams that make it and the teams that don't, the really good teams and the average teams are those other 40-plus games. Now, here in a 56-game schedule, um, you, you can't be six, seven, eight games under 500 the first 20 games because if you are, you're done. You're toast. I mean, that that's just the reality of it. So – Power play, penalty kill, um, playing without the puck is going to be so important. Again, everybody's on the same page. Nobody's had practice games now. You have had 
some players on these rosters that have played some games because they were playing over in, in, in different leagues across the pond. So, I mean, they have had some people that have, you know, kind of gotten a look or two here or there, but the majority, that's not the case. So everybody's on an even playing field, but, you know, you get a power play um, and you got guys going and look, if, if, if whatever the units are, if you think that, you know, player, uh, you know, player M is on that second unit, but he's going, you know what? I mean, he's got to get bumped up to that first unit. You know what? Uh, you're trying to win games and, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, keep the peace and, uh, and, and piece it all together, so to speak. And um, it'll be interesting how the, the power play units uh, play out. But I will say this, Brian, like I thought it, I shouldn't say, there was a good stretch last year where those five guys had it going and they were moving around. I mean, they did it against Edmonton. Now look at I mean, Edmonton, you know, they, they, they couldn't check their hat last year in the playoffs. I mean, they were awful <laughs> defensively. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, they, they just were not very good. But prior to that, and again, we went a long stretch from March until whenever we started playing in August or September, whenever it was in the bubble, um, that Hawk power play, they, they had some camaraderie. You know, again, things change, injuries happen, and that's certainly the case right now. But I'm sure it's moving parts for, for Jeremy, and, uh, you know, they'll, uh, they got some good options there, whether it's one one full unit heavy or, or you know, you spread it out and, and, and see what happens. It's going to be an interesting ride. It begins Wednesday night in Tampa. Who's going to be your uh, your partner on NBCSN on Wednesday? Uh, I will be with uh, Johnny Forslund okay. and uh, Brian Boucher. So uh, we're not sure where Bush will be. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be inside the glass or he's going to be inside the Pope Mobile. They might have brought that from Toronto and keep them <laughs> keep him encased uh, in his own little uh, in his own little uh, bubble himself. But yeah, that's that's the plan. But you know what? As you guys know, uh, things change uh, hourly. So uh, the plan is to be down in Tampa and. Uh, we'll see if there are any fans uh, in the building on Wednesday and if they have a banner raising with no fans. I'm not sure it's not going to play off for the Lightning, but looking forward to seeing what the Hawks have uh, starting on Wednesday Hey, they night. might have a... They might have a 50-50 contest because they're allowing fans in the stands, right? So good luck to you on that. Yeah, yeah I'll, try, I'll try to get myself away from the late daily double at Tampa Bay Downs on Wednesday. Oh, I, I was waiting for that. You know, Brian probably wants a horse play for later today, but I'll let you text him that. Uh, Edzo, uh, thanks for joining us. I think the five is live in the first race at Gulfstream. All right, love you guys. All Go right, see you, Edzo. Adios, yeah. The great Eddie Olchek. Yeah. You can hear him on NBC and, of course, NBC Sports Chicago. Up next, a hawk that you may have already written off could be poised for a comeback season. That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to the Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. And welcome back to the ESPN Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. And uh, Pat, I'm sure you'll join me in a tip of the hockey show hat to the Chicago Wolves mm-hmm. and uh, doing great work and spent a tough, tough year for everyone. And to acknowledge that and to help out, the Chicago Wolves, had, they have donated $250,000 to five different local charities. A lot of people are looking and are hurting and they are showing up at food pantries. And the Wolves have given five different charities $50,000 apiece in the last week, a Just Harvest, Common Pantry, Northern Illinois Food Bank, Paws Chicago, and South Suburban Humane Society are the five that received checks of $50,000. No small 
token uh, with organizations cutting back and trying to save money every which way they can because they've also been hurting through this pandemic. But the Wolves reaching out and helping out the community as they always do. So great organization and a really great uh, a, a great token of our appreciation to them for doing so. Yeah, kudos to the Wolves on that. Um, you know, Andrew Shaw is somebody that I had kind of written off would be a little strong to say, but because of his injury situation and all the concussions, you didn't want to pencil him in the lineup because you thought there was a chance that maybe his career had come to an end. And here he is, over a year removed from his last concussion, back on the ice, looking to still play that feisty role, but being a little more a little more smart about it, picking his spots. I don't think you're going to see him jump on the ice to try to uh, pick up the energy level of his team and drop the gloves. But if someone takes a shot at him and he needs to throw a little stinky glove in the face, yeah, he'll, he'll do something like that. But, <laughs> but here's Andrew Shaw on what he has gone through. He said he did think about retirement and the grind to get healthy the past 14 months. Here's Shaw. Whether or not I was going to play or not, wasn't my first goal. My first goal was to get better and feel like myself. And with the help of the uh, Black Hawk organization, my family, my wife, my kids uh, made it doable. I mean, obviously there was times where it was tough and, and exhausting and, you know, but grinded, grinded every day, grinded uh, months to a year to, uh, to get where I am. So it's good to know I can get back to feeling good. Um, you know, I make sure I'm eating well, doing everything I can to make sure my body uh, and my head feel good. So uh, I'm ready. I'm excited and I'm hungry. So can't wait for the uh, first game to, you know, for the puck to drop. Man, this is a guy we're rooting for, Brian. This is somebody that uh, was a part of a couple of cups. He is uh, he, he's a, a perfect bridge in that locker room between uh, the guys that have won and the young guys that are trying to find their way in the National Hockey League, just hoping that Andrew Shaw is healthy and is able to write yet another chapter to his his Blackhawks uh, legacy. Well, how do you not root for a guy who auctions off his own stitches? <laughs> That's plays true. A foot taller, plays a foot taller than he is. And uh, he also said the other day he's gone into yoga and Pilates and, and really trying to get healthy with his entire body, not just the, the concussion issues, right? So, and he's Chef Hans now. He's cooking all his meals. <laughs> I think he's going anti-Chef Hans. I think he's trying to uh, he's trying to uh, cook even a little cleaner than, than Hansi does, maybe a little less butter uh, in the saute pan. Uh, what do you got coming up next with Freddie? Uh, I'm not. You're not in it, Xander? Into- yeah. Okay, it's Xander yeah. and Fred Hubner. They're going to uh, break I down. Have been seeing, I, P, PB, I have been seeing other hosts, and, and Fred and I will be doing the pregame show for the Bears playoff game against the Saints tomorrow. Okay. So I just, I have been, I've been stepping out on you. All right. Um, well, but good luck with that tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and good luck to the Bears. And uh, up next, it's going to be Freddie Hubner and Xander. They're going to uh, get you ready for. Super wild card weekend, six games in the National Football League over the next 48 hours. Our thanks to Tyler Aki, our producer for this show. Brian, thanks uh, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday at 10 a.m. on the Hockey Show. Great to be back. Yeah. Great to be back. Hawks playing Wednesday night. We'll break it for down for you next Saturday on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.